You lived it. You were in the birds movie for real. Yeah, I have a huge fear of birds. I ca- I cannot believe that you went through that. That's in- that's insane. I would hate them too. Yeah, and you know something like a peacock. Jesus Christ! If I ever saw a peacock in real life, I think I'd have a heart attack. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You're listening to Shortcuts. We watched it, so you don't have to. And now, here are your hosts. Claire and Chris. Thank you for joining us for this podcast about holiday movies because you're the queen of Christmas. As we all know, you were featured on the Holiday Baking Championship, which was unfair, and I think it was rigged, and you made Buddy the Elf look like the Grinch. (laughs) That's why we're so excited to have you here. Sarah Wallace, it's literally seven days till Christmas. How excited are you? I'm so excited, but oh my God, you forget every year like how much goes into getting all of the baked goods of the world ready by Christmas time. It's, it's been an insane couple weeks. I believe it. I feel like you are probably going to cause some sort of flour shortage or maybe yeah. like a, I don't know, a sugar shortage, if that's possible, or something. <laughs> I always joke at work when people are tired and like, oh, Sarah, we don't want to come in early. We don't want to stay late. It's like all year we train for this. It's like the baking Olympics. You know what I mean? Yes. And then you bang it out and then you have a great holiday season and then in January you just rest because everybody's new year's resolution is to not eat what i make (laughs) do you sell stuff from your house too or do you just do the donut thing well that's so funny so i was making some christmas cookies the other day and somebody was um asking if they could order them and i was like i honestly like i don't have time i feel like Mm. work we're cranking out like six thousand donuts on a saturday it's just it's insane right now six thousand donuts whoa six thousand donuts we started at 2 a.m and we finished at 10 and we did six thousand donuts it was insane (laughs) that's insane (laughs) so holiday baking championship you were robbed just want to throw that out there we watched it again today well yeah that, that plaid cake at the end was like the most difficult thing we've ever done that was the coolest thing that i've ever seen like, it was the coolest. I mean, all of your, it's like your, the details in all of your bakes are just, it's dumbfounding because they're so good. Thank you. I definitely, I loved doing Food Network. I loved, um, you know, the competition and stuff on TV. I thought it was the thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, it looked like it was very, very difficult, but you took it in stride. Every time they would talk about a new bake and what you had to do, everyone was like, oh, we have to do that. And you're like, oh, this is going to be so great. I'm going to do this and that and this, and everyone's going to love it because Christmas is great. And it was- <laughs> Thank you. When I, did, when I did the little guys, like the little cookies that were holding the pecan, right? Yeah, yeah. Pecan, you have all these camera guys on you. There's like four cameras in front of you. And then there's this one guy that goes like, right underneath your elbow so he can get close up what you're doing right in front of you. Oh, wow. I hit him in the head a thousand times. I felt so <laughs> bad. And they were like, don't talk to the camera guys. Don't talk to the camera guys. And I hit him and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Just the whole <laughs> But it was so funny with the little pecan guys. I was like, you're just going to hold the little pecan. And I'm talking to this guy. And I'm like, these people think I'm nuts. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It sounds like you had a good time. Are you still in touch with the, any of the other people from the show? Oh, my God, yes. We have a we have a group chat. And we all, oh, you know, wow. text each other all day and stuff. And Melissa, who won, we're actually, like, fantastic friends. And we talk to each other, like, every day. <laughs> Melissa was super cool. Like, she, if you didn't win, I'm glad that she won, because I feel like she's a super cool person. Yeah. It's funny, because my girlfriend and I, we watch all the baking shows, and um, 
we're so like snobby now about things that we eat. You know, the other day we were presented with a dessert that was a cake, which is which is the really light cake. Which kind is that? Like a sponge cake. Yeah, but it's a fancy word. It was Genoise. Yes, yes. So Gen- Genovese or G- whatever you said. Genoise. <laughs> yeah, Genoise. Okay, so it's a Genoise cake with peanut butter mousse and. It was not a mousse. It was clearly a ganache or something, or they might even have used a little gelatin, but it was very solid. And I was not happy because I, I was like, I don't know what this is, but this is not what you said. No. Well, and the Genoise is like a fluffy, super light, like delicate cake to be putting something heavy like that on top of it, you know? Yes. I was very unsatisfied. And I was like, if Sarah was here, this never would have happened. She never would have presented anything like this. But that's the thing with pastries. Like once you get into it, you just get so judgy. Like we're watching this season of Holiday Baking Championship right now. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I feel like every episode I'm like, no, you should have done this and this and this. It's in the pantry on the left. Go to the left. Go to the left. You know? <laughs> my husband's like, Jesus. <laughs> You're like, don't you know your way around? What's wrong with you? Yeah. They're like, well, I got it. You know, I got it on the plate. It doesn't look great, but I got it on the plate. And I'm like, that's not how you win. <laughs> I'm not out of it yet. <laughs> that's do you watch all of the shows or just that one do you watch great british baking show and nailed it and all of those yeah yeah i like them all i like that sugar rush too oh sugar rush is great and then the great british baking show is so fun to watch because you know like at culinary school and they teach you like the basics like the fundamentals of baking it's like all of these things that like, you're never gonna make again you know what i mean it's what the forefathers of baking made so you have to learn how to make them you know, and then now we're making stupid things like chocolate bombs and cake pops and stuff. But like the great, <laughs> the great British baking show, they make all of these things that people haven't made in a thousand years, you know, and they're like, oh, great. I'll do that with some clotted cream, you know? <laughs> yeah. Prue just expect them to make something that she had for like her fifth birthday and she's 83 and <laughs> they've never, you know, they've never heard of it. But it is funny because I feel like sometimes on the British baking show, it's different because like everyone is so encouraging and nice to each other. And sometimes I feel like on the American shows, everyone's just like, you know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win. Yeah. I think they should make a really <laughs> like serious cutthroat baking competition where, you know, we all have these like confessionals talking smack about everybody and sabotaging everybody's cakes and leaving the oven open a crack. <laughs> I love it. I would totally watch that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm so excited. This is going to be so fun. Sarah, the first movie that you're going to talk about today, which I'm very excited about, is Christmas Story because surprisingly, a lot of people have not seen this movie and they should. Yes, I can't believe that people not only haven't seen it, but have avoided it. I mean, I feel like this movie plays for 24 hours straight on Christmas yep. Eve. And usually at like two o'clock in the morning when my sister and I are so excited we can't sleep, this is when we watch a Christmas story. But yes, it's fantastic. It's this story of this little nine-year-old boy. I think it's set in the 40s. And he has this one Christmas wish that he just wants a Red Rider BB gun. It's like what little boy doesn't want to shoot things, you know? He wants this Red Rider BB gun. And throughout the whole movie, he's like talking about it a little bit, you know, like his mom will casually ask what he wants for Christmas and he'll, he'll say the BB gun and she'll say, oh, you'll shoot your eye out. 
Oh, that's this movie. Okay. That's, the, that's what they, that's where that comes from. That's I hear that quoted all the time. I'm one of these weird people who's never seen this movie before. This is great. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the holy grail of Chris's movies. So then he, you know, he like writes a report at school and says, I want a Red Rider BB gun, la la la. And his teacher, you know, gives him a grade and just writes, you'll shoot your eye out, like on the movie <laughs> This poor boy, like all he wants is this, is this BB gun and everyone is telling him no. So the beginning of the, of the movie is kind of like an introduction to like his Christmas wish and then his weird kind of family dynamic. You know, he has this sweet mom. He has a funny little brother that's like a pain in the butt and he has to you know, wrestle him and, you know, deal with him all the time. And then his dad is, is this typical 40s dad that like constantly has to go in the basement and, and deal with the furnace and swears all the time. And you know, <laughs> It's about his Christmas wish, but it's also about how hard it is to be a nine-year-old little boy. You know, he like gets in a fight at school and, you know, his mom like keeps it a secret and doesn't tell the dad so the dad doesn't yell at him. They all get in trouble at school because he tells his friend to stick his tongue to a flagpole, but because it's so cold, his tongue gets stuck and the fire department has to come and like cut his tongue off. Oh my. Um, okay, okay, tell us the truth. <laughs> separate his tongue from the pole <laughs> okay uh, tell us the truth have you ever done that yourself did you try that not on the flagpole but like many an ice cube ice sculpture yes oh. <laughs> yes me too i definitely have have done that way too many times than i'd like to admit did the fire department have to save you no the the trick is you have to get someone else to kind of get their hot air and like blow it onto where your tongue is stuck so oh, okay. tongue is actually stuck then you have to get steam that's the trick that's where they they missed the they missed the mark on that one <laughs> yeah oh and then the, the best scene of the movie <laughs> is he's driving somewhere with his dad or with his family and the car gets a flat tire so they have to get out of the car and go change the tire and the mom's like oh go help your dad so he's helping the dad and his dad has him hold all the little screws and nuts and bolts and stuff and he drops it and he like drops this huge f-bomb <laughs> and the dad's like oh, you know it's this huge thing and then the dad tells the mom and the mom is screaming at him and then she calls all his friends and is like do you know where he heard this word and you know ralphie the little boy's like I must have heard my dad say this a thousand times, but like I lied and said it was my friend. <laughs> um, I think we all learn how to swear from our dads. No, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, you know, his little day-to-day -day life of having to deal with all of these little things. And then in the end, you know, it's Christmas morning. That's like the big final scene. And they open the presents and he gets this obnoxious bunny suit from his aunt. <laughs> that That's the... That's it. That's that's the bunny suit. That's the whole thing. That's the Chris. Have you ever seen anybody wearing a bunny suit? The pink one. Yeah, but I thought that was like Easter related. No. Nope. <laughs> oh no, it's Christmas. <laughs> oh, it makes so much sense now. Okay. But so his, his mom makes him wear this obnoxious bunny suit, and you know they're opening all these gifts, and they're excited. His little brother's like, "Wow, wow, wow!" And then all the presents are done, and. You know, Ralphie's just kind of sitting there and his mom and dad are like, did you get everything you wanted, Ralphie? And he's like, almost. <laughs> and then the dad's like, what is that behind the desk? What is that I see? And he pulls out one more box 
and Ralphie rips it open and it's his BB gun and he's so excited and all his Christmas dreams come true. So he runs outside to go play with it and go shoot things. And he shoots, I think he's shooting a can or something. And he shoots the can and it ricochets off and like shoots him in the eye with this BB. So he literally shot his eye out almost. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody said he was gonna do. No one ever listens to their mom or their dad, but they're always, they always end up being right, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, he gets his little Christmas wish and he was so happy and he did what everybody said he was going to do, which is funny, but just kind of makes the movie all full circle. That's awesome. Um, can, you, can you tell us about, for Chris, about the, the scene where he gets in that fight and he just wails on that guy? So the kid's name is Scott Ferguson. And, you know, he's a freckle-faced little red-headed kid. And the way Ralphie describes this kid, he's, he says, Scott Ferguson, he had yellow teeth. And he's like, for the love of God, he had yellow teeth. <laughs> it's so funny. Scott, you know, was like picking on him, bullying him and following him home and stuff and picked on a lot of his friends and stuff. And Ralphie, because he was just so enraged by everyone telling him that he couldn't get this gun and by getting in trouble with his parents and with his teacher and all this stuff, he just <laughs> beats this kid to smithereens. Watching him. And that rips him off of Scott Ferguson and <laughs> takes him home. And this is all in a Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a classic one, I bet. Yes. Very classic. Sarah, that was amazing. And you hit all of the great points. Thank you. For- <laughs> Thanks for that interpretation. So hopefully now people will know about Christmas Story and they will watch it because you literally can't miss it. And it's fantastic. Christopher, explain that movie in one sentence, please. I'll see what I can do. Try and sum this up in one sentence. Uh, Little kid really wants a gun, doesn't listen to mother's advice and still shoots his eye out, but gets away with it by lying. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep, nailed it. Let me see. So, <laughs> so many aspects. It, it starts sounding like an action movie when you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, okay. Um, Ralphie finally gets what he wanted for Christmas. It turns against him, but he still loves the gun. Yes. That's also fair, yeah. I, it, th- that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> Christopher, I believe that you have a very interesting film to tell us about that I never would have guessed that you watched, but you watched it. Yeah, I never would have guessed this either. We're talking about Dolly Parton's new movie, Christmas on the Square. Oh! Yeah, it just came out on Netflix. And I recently watched this for a friend's birthday Zoom party. They really wanted to watch this movie, so... I ended up kind of liking it a little bit. <laughs> Isn't it a musical also? Yeah, it's a fully choreographed musical. <laughs> Dolly Parton wrote 25 songs just for this. So it's about a super wealthy woman who comes back to her hometown. And she's so wealthy, she actually owns the town. But she's coming back to evict everyone so she can sell off the land. But, of course, before the end, she learns the true meaning of Christmas, right? <laughs> That's it? That's all you have for us? That's the general overview. It's that special kind of movie that is so bad that it becomes good. You know what I mean? (laughs) The music is well done. There's talented singers. But it seems like the choreographer ran out of time. 
because there's full dance numbers across multiple sets. But then a couple of songs, it's just they interrupt the conversation and then they sing a full five-minute song just standing there, staring at each other. And then they continue the conversation after five minutes of just standing there. <laughs> wow, that sounds thrilling. Um, why did she want to sell the town? She hated the town. And they don't really get into the reasons why until later in the movie. I'll give you like a quick overview of the movie. So uh, Dolly Parton is the narrator and she plays an angel. That's how she narrates. She's floating around on a, on a cloud sometimes. So she's and dead? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, is, is Casper an angel? Would we consider Casper an angel? Hmm. I guess we could. He's like the stage before an angel because he's a ghost. I don't know how all the supernatural works. Okay. It's like every time a bell rings, a angel gets their wings, right? So that's Dolly Parton. Okay, perfect. Great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Regina is the name of the wealthy woman who owns the town. Her father died and she inherited the, the land that the town is on. She comes back to town to evict everyone to sell off the land. And she goes and sees her ex-boyfriend from when they were teens together in town. And he's like, where did we go wrong? Don't sell the town. But her mind is set. I am selling this town, she says. <laughs> and everyone's trying to talk her out of selling the town. And they start building a resistance against her in the town. And Pastor Christian is leading the resistance. His name is easy to remember because he's a Christian and is Pastor Christian. <laughs> oh, I see what they did there. Yeah, I see that. Clever. And Dolly Parton appears to Regina to tell her to change, but she just thinks Dolly Parton's a hallucination and she's going to sell the town. Later on, Regina meets a young kid at the bar. And I how know it young, sounds weird. How young are we talking here? She's probably like eight years old. Why is an eight-year-old at the bar? <laughs> they kind of gloss over it. They're like, oh, she can't, had a rough bring up and she just, she pours her the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's, it sounds weird when you say it out loud, but yeah. She meets this young kid at the bar, and she starts to connect with her. They both lost their mother young, and she's starting to empathize with the people of the, of the town. So we get a flashback of Regina's life where she thought her boyfriend was cheating. So when she thought he was cheating, she had a one-night stand and got pregnant. And her father and her were ashamed, so they hid the pregnancy, and the father gave up the baby for adoption. <gasps> And that's why she moved away. That's why she hates this town. It's because of this secret. Wow. That's a really intense secret. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They get, they get really serious with it. So later, the little girl, she gets caught in a car accident. And Regina gets the best doctor. She flies the doctor in, saves the little girl. And she's like, you know what? I care about this town. And she starts having a change of heart. She goes through her father's old Bible and she finds hidden records of her baby that was given away. And they go to the church for this big final reveal, the big sermon before the evictions, the end of the movie. And Pastor Christian's there giving his big sermon. And he reveals Regina is his mother. Pastor Christian was that baby the whole time. Oh, I thought I was an eight-year-old drunk. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, misdirection. That's why they did that. Look at that. Okay, describe this movie in one sentence, Claire. A lady hates a town where eight-year-olds go to the bar and drink whiskey, <laughs> and it turns out that her son is the most Christian Christian of them all. <laughs> <laughs> and this is displayed in 25 songs. Yes. <laughs> okay, Sarah, describe it in one sentence. Oh, my God. Dolly Parton, somewhere between an angel and a ghost. <laughs> 
kind of has a Scrooge experience and decides to save the town. Yes. That's perfect. That's very well done. This, I do feel like I want to watch this movie. Maybe have a couple of glasses of wine, you know, watch this movie. It's, it's one of those movies that you, is it like a make fun of kind of movie? Yeah, yeah. It's that special kind of bad where it becomes good again. Like a Hallmark movie? Yeah, it's like a Hallmark <laughs> exactly. movie. Exactly. Sarah, what are your thoughts on Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies? How do you feel about them? People have very strong feelings, so I'd like to hear yours. Um, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll dabble from time to time, you know, when you have a lot of presents to wrap, throwing on. I think leave you feeling good, really optimistic, and like the world is full of love, and, and everything works out in the end, which is you know, kind of sometimes what people need. Yeah. But a lot of the times I think you look at these actors and actresses that they chose and think, this is why they chose you for a Hallmark movie <laughs> because you're <laughs> the less than the best. <laughs> so true. That's, that's true. So this is why we're here because we want to hear Sarah Wallace talk about Die Hard, the number one Christmas movie that is, everyone says is not a Christmas movie, but I think that it definitely is a Christmas movie. So please tell the world about this amazing movie. I, okay, I concur. It is a Christmas movie. Thank you. Very controversial thing, but when it comes down to it, it's Christmas. It's at a Christmas party. Okay. Imagine this. A young Bruce Willis. Mm. <laughs> it's the 80s. <laughs> Just to set the scene. Okay, so Die Hard is fantastic. Bruce Willis is this New York City cop named John McClane. His wife and he are like kind of on the rocks, it seems like they're kind of separated because she got this fancy schmancy job in LA and took the kids there. And then he's been in New York. So he's coming to LA for Christmas. So he gets to the building and he's all, you know, gross and whatever from the airplane ride. So she takes him into the office and they have like a lover's quarrel and fight a little bit about their marital issues. And she leaves and he's like, okay, I'm just going to finish cleaning up and then I'll come out and be like, you know, gracious. While he's in the office getting ready to go to the party, there's this huge terrorist attack where these terrorists come in and hold all of the people in the office building hostage. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's gripping. So, <laughs> so he realizes what's happening, and in full New York City cop mode, becomes the Bruce Willis we all know and love. And you know, it's this kind of behind the scenes fighting force that like slowly takes out the terrorists, but <laughs> in quite a few scenes that are like <laughs> insanely unrealistic. <laughs> Is it the kind of unrealistic where he's just dodging bullets? Oh God, yes, everyone. And at one point, he jumps off of a roof through a window and like that's how he lands and then he get, gets right back up because he's Bruce Willis. Is know? that how gravity works or that's, not really? That's how gravity works for Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. The best part is the bad guy, the, the leader of the terrorist group is Snape. Oh. From Harry Potter. Yes. Professor Snape, you son of a, wow. A young Alan Rickman. But so at some point where he's like behind the scenes fighting the, you know, the, you know how terrorists, like the big bad guys have like the little guys that do their dirty work. He's like yes. picking them off one by one. And 
he gets a hold of a walkie-talkie and finds like the secure channel and calls the police and is saying, I'm in this building. There's a terrorist attack. They're holding this many people hostage. You guys have to get over here, blah, blah, blah. And the woman doesn't believe him. What? She's like, excuse me, sir, this is a secure line and I don't appreciate your like Christmas prank. And he's like, this isn't a prank. <laughs> <laughs> there's all these guns and there's terrorists. You need to get over here. You need to send backup. I'm a New York City cop, blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't believe him. Wow. So she says, okay, I'll send a patrol car, like whatever. This cute guy in his little cop car, you know, comes scooting along, talks to the doorman, which is actually a secret terrorist. And he, you know, sends the cop on his way. And I think right as the cop is driving away, a dead body falls from the building on the car. <laughs> right on top of it? Yeah. So, he, so he realizes that there is trouble afoot. They believe him and, now. <laughs> believe him now, exactly. So that cop calls in all the other cops, and you know they have a walkie-talkie situation going on with John McClane inside the building, and then the FBI gets involved. But the terrorists know the FBI protocol, so they're calling the shots before the FBI can do them, so the FBI is really not doing anything. So it's really up to John McClane to save everyone. Wow. And he does. <laughs> he does. I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, there's like diehard 87 at this point. So <laughs> we got to think he did something right. Is there like a final showdown between him and like the main terrorist guy? Oh, yes. Thank you. There is. Thank you for asking. There's a great final showdown. So John McClane, who has been just pulverized, like beaten, beaten to shreds. So Alan Rickman is talking to him and, you know, saying you've lost and I've won. And Abe has the wife with the gun oh, and wow. says, you know, put your gun down. So he puts his gun down and then he puts his hands above his head, trying to be all like casual, cool Bruce Willis. But he taped a gun to his back. Nice. Duct tape. So then he pulls the gun out. And in one of the most memorable Christmas quotes, says yippee Kaye, mother effer uh, <laughs> oh snap that's so bruce willis yeah shoots alan rickman who then falls out a window with his wife Ooh. and then bruce willis gets his wife and saves her and alan rickman falls to his death wow. how did he get over there so fast to save her because <laughs> he's bruce willis gravity doesn't doesn't apply to him, right. nor speed or velocity. <laughs> yes, you're so right. Snape fell from like the top of that building? Yeah. Wow. That's like the reverse thing that he did to Dumbledore. Got revenge for Dumbledore. Knocking him <gasps> off of a tall building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duck it, Snape. Like everything in my life all came together in one. <laughs> Does that mean that he, that Snape is going to join Dolly Parton and be like a half angel? <laughs> Let's hope. We can't. We can only hope. Oh my goodness. Okay, Christopher, one sentence. Die hard. Go. In this movie, gravity does not apply to Bruce Willis. <laughs> he saves his wife at the last second and gets revenge for Dumbledore by getting Snape to fall off of a very tall building. Merry Christmas. It's so, it's so fulfilling. Like, I feel so much better about the world now that I see it from this perspective. Like, Snape going down, it's like, mm. Mm, that feels good. How would you describe it, Claire, in one sentence? I would say Bruce Willis doing Bruce Willis things, taking down an entire terrorist organization by himself, all while fixing his marriage with his wife. Yes. That's one way to fix a marriage, right? Yeah, yeah you just save them from death. He saves all the people, he saves his marriage, and he saves Christmas. 
That's that's exactly that's the best way to put it. There is so much talk about how Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, and that really breaks my heart because not all Christmas movies have to be all floofy and unrealistic about what relationships are really like. Not every Christmas movie has to be like that. Yeah, we're yeah. fighting crime. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of fighting crime, I have the final movie that we're going to talk about tonight, which is A Long Kiss Goodnight. Many of you probably have not heard of this movie, and that is very sad because Move Over Die Hard, A Long Kiss Goodnight, is basically the underrated version of Die Hard. Whoa. <laughs> we are talking about a young, sexy Gina Davis. We are talking about a, he always looks the same, Samuel L. Jackson. Because <laughs> he never ages, ever. True. Apparently that one. That was good. <laughs> oh my god! Definitely put that on the podcast. That was so funny. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay, so as I told Christopher, it is a combination of the movie Overboard and Die Hard. So, young Gina Davis. Gina Davis is this housewife, right? She's just this housewife. Her name's Samantha, but there's something different about her. She has had amnesia for the past eight years. So all she knows is that she woke up on a beach and she was pregnant. So she's starting to have pieces of her come back to her. And then she's in the kitchen making dinner. Her man's there, her baby's there, who is now eight years old. She's like cutting this stuff up for this salad or soup or sandwich. I don't know. And... (laughs) She can't cut it up. And he's like, today, honey, is that going to be done today? And so then she just starts boom, 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 knocking this stuff out. She's like, has serious knife skills all of a sudden. She doesn't know where they came from. And then she's, they're like, she's like, give me more stuff. Give me more stuff. Give me stuff to cut. And then she takes the knife, throws a tomato up in the air, throws a knife, and it hits the cabinet, and the tomato cuts in half. And she's like, well, that was kind of weird. I don't know what that was about. Her man doesn't seem too disturbed. He's just kind of like, oh, cool. Like, you are a chef in another life that throws knives. He doesn't care that she's suddenly a ninja, like a Jason yeah. Bourne type. I <laughs> would say, and this is uh, this is a very Jason Bourne type movie. It's, it's very good. So these guys that were looking for her, they find her. They show up at her house, and she turns into this, like, crazy ninja person. They're like, they shoot a shotgun, and it blows a hole in the wall. And she's like, ah, she takes her kid. She throws her kid out of the hole in the wall. That takes some ultimate precision to throw a kid <laughs> through a shotgun hole. Yeah, exactly. It does. And she has a lot of precision when she stabs the guy and breaks his neck, too. So that's like her thing, I get. This movie is seriously violent, all while happening during Christmas time. In the beginning, it says that Gina Davis has been trying to figure out who she is. So she's looking into private investigators. She's hired many private investigators over the years. And then it cuts to Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson and awesome. And he's like a con man and also a private investigator. Mm. She says, I got to get out of here. I can't be here. And so Samuel L. Jackson picks her up. He's like, we got to break in to figure out something about you and, and where you're from. Right after she snapped that guy's neck and decided she has to leave, you see the president and the president's like, I can't believe that she's alive and all this stuff. So we find out that she used to be a CIA operative that supposedly turned rogue. Wow. And she was a CIA assassin. So she would go around and 
kill bad people or whatever. She's trying to figure out who she is and whatever and thinks that she can find something. And this old landlord of hers had a box of her stuff and in there was this gun underneath all of her clothes. And she was like, I don't know what this is. And then all of a sudden she does and she puts the gun together really quickly and she's just like, bam, 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 bam. And Samuel L. Jackson walks in and he's like, what's going on? I heard a scream. And she's like, boom. And she shoots the shotgun right next to him and puts a hole in the hotel wall. She's like, oh my God, I don't know what happened. She doesn't know why she shot right next to Sam Jackson. No, she, she like blacks out. So she goes to her Charlie self. She just totally blacks out and doesn't, and doesn't remember anything. They find this phone number and they call it and it's her old handler. So it's a guy at the CIA that she used to work with. And he's like, meet me at this place. And she says, okay, I don't have anywhere else to turn to find out who I really am. So I'm going to meet you at that place. Of course, Samuel Jackson's like, this sounds like a setup. And she's like, it is. It totally is set up. Of course. So these bad guys are like, we're going to give you a long kiss goodnight. Uh, uh, the name of the movie in the movie. Yes. Exactly. So she all of a sudden becomes crazy Charlie and shoots all these guys. And so they get out of there. They get out of the setup and they, they drive away. So basically at this point, like everyone is against her. She really has nowhere to go because even the good guys are the bad guys and she can't trust anyone. But she hasn't fully gone into Charlie mode yet. They're torturing her and then she finds a gun. She just shoots the guy right in his knees. Boom, boom, boom. And then he's like, do you know about Project Honeymoon? And she's like, well, I do now because you just told me about it because you thought I was going to die. Nothing says Christmas like popping someone in the kneecaps. Am I right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you are totally right. It's it's the Bruce Willis type of way. And also in this movie, Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson do not follow the laws of gravity either. At one point, they actually shoot a window out. There's no way out. The building's blowing up. They shoot out the window and then they jump through it. And Gina Davis has this machine gun and she shoots into the ice at the bottom. And so then they break through and go into the water. And then they just get up and they're fine. Like nobody can get out of icy water. You don't just like climb up. (laughs) She gets away from the water torture guy, brings Samuel Jackson, who is, I mean, he's been in for a hell of a ride. Like he could have, he could have hopped a long time ago, but this dude is really like doing some charity work with her because he does not have to stay with her. These bad guys realize the only way that they can get her to come back is if they kidnap her kid. So they kidnap her kid. Then after she realizes that they have her kid, they track the call to Niagara Falls. So they're like, we have to go there to get the kid. It's another setup. Like they're like, we knew you were going to track us. We knew you were going to come here. I was like, can they get a break? Like, can you just, (laughs) so there it's a setup. Obviously they put Gina Davis and her kid in this ice box thing and turn it down to like negative 40 degrees. She breaks out. Obviously save Samuel Jackson obviously. And she tells the kid to run away and to hide because all these people are going to shoot at her and she needs the kid to just run away. The kid runs into the truck that's holding the bomb that's going to blow up. Jeez. And then the truck leaves. So you're like, oh my God, again with this. I can't believe the kid is in the truck with the bomb. So obviously she has to find a way to get to her. She hijacks the truck and then she's driving the truck And she flips the truck over and she's fine. The kid's fine. But then all these people are shooting at her and and all this. And 
uh, there's an epic battle with the bad the bad guy who is coincidentally also the kid's dad they figured out so (laughs) this is is i'm not making any of this up and it is a it's a good movie crazy epic battle with this bad guy who is the no it's not baby mom baby daddy i guess (laughs) epic battle with baby daddy eventually he falls into niagara falls but he comes out okay i guess he just climbs back up some rope and he's he's all good Again, she tells the kid to run, get out of here, go. So there's like, she just really, she can't get a break. But she can get Samuel L. Jackson to come in and save the day for her. So he drives, knocks out some people, they hop in the car, and then the bomb goes off, and the back of the car is is on fire, and like, the, it blows up this huge bridge, and the guy, the baby the baby daddy is was on top of the bomb. So he's exploded, in, and he's he's gone. And wow. Samuel Jackson got shot like four times. I mean, he's fine. It's all good. He's good. She got shot. She got stabbed. She's fine. The The kid had a tiny little scratch on her head from the truck flipping over, which seems totally, you know, what would normally happen in something like that. <laughs> um, and so the movie ends with Gina Davis is driving in this car, looking super sexy. She's in like this convertible by herself. Her hair looks great. It looks like she's back to being Sam. The president calls her on the phone. Thank you so much for helping us. And you really saved America and all this stuff. And she says she wants a favor. And then you see Samuel Jackson on Larry King Live talking about all the stuff that he did and how how great he is. And (laughs) then her family is living on this farm in the middle of nowhere with baby goats and it ends with her throwing a knife into a rock like she's still got the skills yeah so it's like it it ends with basically her realizing that she can be both of those people like she can she can mess some people up but she can also teach the abcs very underrated different version of of die hard in the, the christmas movie and i think that they get a dog for christmas thank god after all that, <laughs> I know, right? I know the the kid the kid really wasn't phased the whole time. She was just kind of hanging out, like, um, "Mommy, am I gonna die?" And she's like, "No, they are." <laughs> Dog fixes everything. <laughs> it was really a joy for me to watch it. Honestly, like I, I felt like I it was something that I had been missing in my life. So you guys definitely should check it out. Complete your holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. Um, Sarah, describe that movie in one sentence. A long kiss, good night. Well, one confused woman's journey, (laughs) struggling between her two identities of a CIA superhero and a mom to save her kid with the help of Samuel L. Jackson, who's not getting snakes off a plane. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow, that was re- that was right on. That was right on. At Christmas. At <laughs> Christmas. Christopher, <laughs> describe a long kiss good night. Long kiss good night. Uh, Gina Davis is Charlie, who's no angel, and she Jason borns her way <laughs> with her Bruce Willis anti gravity powers, and John wicks her way to save her daughter from her Kill Bill father. Ooh. Yeah, that that's that's it. That was excellent. <laughs> wow, that was awesome. I I loved yeah, I loved that movie. It might be my new favorite Christmas movie this year. 
wow. I got to see it. So we usually do a debate. And by usually, I mean, we just did this last time and it was really funny. So we're going to try to do it again. Which sci-fi movie do you think will actually come true? I have mine. So what you guys are thinking, I think that the movie Ex Machina will actually come true. Oh, that's a great movie. That movie is so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the girl is an AI and she just looks exactly like a real person. And then she goes crazy on this guy and kills him and because she has all these brute robot strength and can't get hurt. You know, so I think that we're going to be taken over by super sexy robots. And would we really mind? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I guess. <laughs> I have one that's it's kind of similar though. Uh, Her, have you ever seen the movie Her? Oh yes. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he has like it's a very advanced Siri, you know, or Alexa, and it gets smarter and smarter and becomes his companion. Eventually, becomes so smart that it becomes like a super intelligence, networks with all the other super intelligences, and they kind of transcend reality and kind of go off into the next dimension. So I think that's going to happen. It's not as cool as having a bunch of um, sexy robots walking around, but it's in the same vein. I think that could definitely happen. I think it kind of already is happening a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They listen to everything that you say and it's, they just give you ads about stuff that you were talking about. So they basically run the world already. Mine. I don't know if you would categorize it necessarily as sci-fi, if not like horror. But I have, a, I have a huge fear of birds. I hate birds. I think they're like rats with wings. I hate them all. <laughs> they do have a lot of diseases. They do carry a lot of diseases. They're disgusting. <laughs> and the birds, the movie The Birds, yeah. I know that one day they're just going to turn on us, That's you know, and just come at us and peck us all. And just there's going to be some weird twist and they're all going to turn on us and they're all going to get us one day. I could see, I definitely could see that happening. That's, I would categorize that as sci-fi horror type situation. So I, yeah, I think I, I could see that. When I was little, we, we had chickens and I had to go feed the chickens one day. So, you know, my family's in the house getting ready for school. So I walk out to the chicken coop and the food was on one end and like the thing you put it in was on the other. So I get the food and I'm walking to go put it in the holder and all of the chickens just attacked me and jumped (gasps) me and were like pecking me and I was bleeding and I was screaming and no one in my family in the house heard me. And I kicked one in the chest to get it off of me. I like ran out of the coop and I never went in again. I was terrified of them and I just... Ever since then, I will not trust a bird. <laughs> wow. You were in the birds movie you for li- real. Yeah. You lived it. Yeah. And so when you're like driving and there's, you know, a, a sign on the overpass and you see all of those birds just sitting in a row on top of it, you know, they're plotting. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're scheming. I, can, I cannot believe that you went through that. That's, that's insane. I would hate them too. Yeah. No. I hate them. <laughs> um, let's see. Is there anything else that you want to say or anything you want to get out there? Sure. My Instagram is swallace1, and it has lots of beautiful donut pictures. So you can see fun donuts coming out and get some sneak peeks of, of things to come in the donut world. And it has some fun stuff from the show. So you can relive the best season of the Holiday Bacon Championship, season six. It was, it was the best season. I've seen them all, and that's the best one. Sarah, do you have anything that you want to tell us about that you're doing? Or, I mean, you're obviously doing amazing things. So tell us about it. Thank you. Well, we just finished some 
fancy Christmas donuts that are going on the menu tomorrow. So it's a sneak peek. So I work for Union Square Donuts. It's in Somerville, Massachusetts. But we also have locations in Boston and Time Out Market in Brookline. There's going to be a snickerdoodle donut. Ooh. So like snickerdoodle cookie. Um, you know Biscoff, like the cookie butter? Yeah. Who doesn't? Yes. So I made a Biscoff pastry cream. So that's going inside the donut. And then I wanted it to taste like a real cookie, cookie, cookie. So I made a glaze with like three pounds of melted butter, <laughs> um, brown sugar, and some vanilla. And then it has cinnamon sugar sprinkled on top. Wow. So that's coming out tomorrow. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And we're doing um, sugar plum. So it's going to have um, a plum jelly inside. And then I got edible glitter and I mixed it with sugar. So we're tossing the donut in this glitter sugar. So it's you know, Christmassy sugar plum fairy visions of sugar plum donuts dancing in your head. Oh my gosh. I'm so hungry now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your favorite donut that you've made so far? Well, I am excited to get people into edible glitter. I think glitter belongs on the donut. I'm really excited about that. Glitter um, is a is definitely something that is not taken advantage of enough. Oh, yeah. I can agree with that. I, you know, I think that donuts are so versatile because you can fill them, you can tap them, you can sprinkle things on top. And, you know, everybody likes this like funfetti, but the buttercream inside of a donut. So I kind of wanted to like outdo that as far as like gluttonous <laughs> kind of. Yes you know, like trashy, delicious things that people love to eat. Oh, yeah. So I did a cookie dough donut. Mm. So it had cookie dough, like chocolate chip cookie dough inside, and then the donut. And then we made a milk glaze. So it had like powdered milk powder. So it was like really strong milk flavor glaze. And then chocolate chip cookies crumbled up on top. What? They're huge. And they're just, oh. That's brilliant. Filled with magic like that. It's great. Do you just, you just come up with these ideas? Like a, like a Willy Wonka of donuts situation? Yeah, I have the funnest job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I cannot even express how much fun that I've had today. Thank you, me too. We know that you're so busy and you probably are not sleeping at all this time of year. So we really, really appreciate you hanging out with us and, and doing this with us. And you, it's really been a joy and a, and a privilege. Thank you so much. I feel the same way. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>